and welcome to Paradigm Playbook, a podcast for entrepreneurs in the business of sports. Your hosts, Dave Kozak and Steve Cook, are business owners, successful entrepreneurs, sports enthusiasts, avid readers, and longtime friends. For years, they've read every business book on the market and built successful companies with what they've learned. This podcast will give you the critical takeaways in just 15 minutes a week. It's a quick and easy playbook for building a winning sports business. And now, here are your hosts, Dave and Steve. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Paradigm Playbooks Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Kozak, alongside my co-host, Mr. Steve Cook. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, Steve. So today, we're going we're gonna to take a walk down the... Uh, complex conversation of organization and what that means. I think Steve from organization and organization itself to the organization of the staff, to the organization, the communication, to the organization of the client base and to just how all of that is interweaving and, and what makes for a successful organization or what makes a company successful in its organizational practices. Yeah. And I think it's, um, it, so in in old days, uh, it was the flow of power. It, it was the, the, the flow chain of, of command, decision, the yep. chain of command, all that. In today's world, it's more a flow of communication than anything else. And so I'm luckily lucky or cursed. I'm not sure which to be able to see it from a couple different sides. Um, and I came out of the corporate world where there's a definite hierarchical hierarchical yeah structure hierarchical yeah, yeah that's the word yeah. um and but then as i i do more work now in in an entrepreneurial world in small business everything's more of a matrix so it doesn't necessarily follow a reports to b b reports to c and it goes and goes up the channel and there there is no c-suite in the entrepreneurial level because it becomes one person so you don't need a suite for one person, but I think trying to figure out how to put it together. So what's, what's come up re most recently. So I'm doing a lot of work with two things is entrepreneurial, small business resets, which is a, which is a big thing. And that could be another topic, the reset thing. Um, small business expansion. You get to this, what's your second level? How do you get into yeah. a second level? And then the third is just a flat out launch. Where do you start? How do I start? How many people do I need to start? And then what's the right way? At what point you as the entrepreneur are no longer the, the CEO, the CFO and the COO. So you start at where you're all three and then what do you give up first? What do you hold on the least? And then in expansion, what role crosses multiple locations and which one doesn't? So it's a bigger topic than you might think, but I, I think the first step is deciding, um, you know, what is a small business and, and, and what's the best basic structure. So if you were choosing, okay, let's define 
the hierarchy versus the matrix. Yeah. I mean, so hierarchy is there's one person at the top and then it goes down channel from there. So you could have, you know, one person, two people report to that one person, three people report to each of those two people and you have your hierarchy, right? And that's all based on chain of command. So decision-making power, what decision can a person at the bottom make versus the decisions that come to the top? Then you have the matrix structure, which is, you know, you have kind of one person in the middle and everybody is, is kind of interlocked in that matrix as opposed to downline from them. Right. Yeah. So you get at, to a certain level in your hierarchy to get, and, and let's just to talk about um, spending levels and spending approvals. You get to a certain level say, okay, at this level, you have a spending, you know, you're capped at a thousand dollars. You can make a thousand dollar decisions in this next level. You can make $5,000 and anything over that's got to go to the CEO or, or how, however it progresses yep. in, in small business. Sometimes you can't delegate any financial decision-making, but you can say that anybody can come to me, the CEO for that decision. Yep. So you're, you're bypassing the hierarchy in that case, which makes it a matrix. Yeah. Um, so kind of, this, this is an interesting subject matter because I've gone through probably seven org changes in my small business. And an org change is not only reporting, but managerial. So I look at process management or people management as the two types of managers. Mm -hmm. Well, what happens when you have six people in that type of role? Well, direct reports, having six direct reports is an awful lot of information to try and distill, right? So you end up with a hierarchy by force in some fashion or another, right? You can't manage the finance, the sales, the operations, uh, and the general management of, you know, 30 people. You've got to have something in between that because you, you just, you'd run into decision fatigue every day. You'd have to make, you know, 150 decisions on business matters in a day. So where I started was, you know, it was myself and Matt at the top and then everybody reported up. And that was when we had three to five employees. Then one of those employees proved out to be very versatile. So, okay, now I've got another versatile player. So I'm going to bring, I'm going to elevate that versatile player and I'm going to have the other people report to the versatile player. They can make some of those lesser decisions, right? So I think it's in decision-making in process change making, right? So you talked about the monetary managerial organizational Mm -hmm. side. I think there is a, there's an entirely different subset, which is, you know, we do it this way and there's an improvement that a person sees that next level should be able to improve the process without having to come all the way to the top. So you're changing processes. Then there's people management, which is changing responsibilities and roles uh, inside the organization. I think that's another place where if you can find that 
person to do that. Those are the two things that I focus on was I've got, you know, 150 processes we run on a daily basis in a company. I can't manage 150 processes. So I need someone to take on 50 of those, or I need someone to take on the manage management of the processes. Then I need someone to manage the people. And sometimes the people in the processes come together and you have someone who is, and this is where we elevated. So your first level of management in my organization was you manage a process. So you're a process manager. Mm-hmm. The second was you're a people manager and a people manager comes in higher than a process manager. Then it was, okay, how do you get to like a director level in our organization? Well, you manage people and processes. You make decisions about an entire downline system. Yeah. I think the, um, the challenge. So as things go downline or out in matrix, yeah. um, decision has to decision power has to go with them. So there has to be a trust that's going out there. So tying back into our leadership topic from last week, it's, you know, all of it's got to be delegated. You can't just delegate the work and not the decision. You can't delegate. Correct. Because then, then you have a constipation of the system. Yeah. And so what gets hurt when you get to a level of, like you're saying six people. So in the corporate world that I came from, six was our max. If you, you know, and there are times in, in my corporate life where I was, I was up to eight. It's, you know, somebody quit or got fired and I inherited two of their people until I restructured. So I was constantly restructuring, but I could tell that if I went above that six and got out of my comfort zone, what struggles, what it really hurts is creativity and innovation. So you stop doing new things. So what happens if you don't control your org structure, what suffers is the growth of your business because Mm -hmm. there's no one generally, and this is more in small business, that no one is thinking about the innovation. How are we going to do this? How, you know, what about a second site? You know, should we move this? Should we add another service? Do, you know, and, in your financial world, I'm sure there's times when you're saying, okay, if you're, if you're just, if you're selling life insurance, okay, at what point do you do, you know, property casualty and what point do you add these things? And, and for you, it's okay. Now we're doing college planning and we're, you know, so yep. if you're not thinking of that, guarantee you that no one below you is thinking of those things. And I, there, there's another component that's always been in the back of my brain too, is how do you compensate people that do think that way? Because it that's different too. You have to structure that differently. The, uh, and, and I'll, I'll give a quick story where, um, Michelle at one point came to me and I was like, God, Michelle, I miss, I miss working with you because she, at the time was running half the company and she used to be, my she right still hand. works here by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and she, she used to be my right hand. I mean, she used to, we, we worked yeah. all cases. We worked all business models. She did accounting. She did, she, I mean, she did everything. She was fully ingrained in the organization and she turned to me and she said, Dave, you know, you could look at it that way or you could look at it that you trained me so well and got me to a point where now I'm not just helping you. I'm running the entire piece of the organization. And it was a light bulb for a minute there. The, the, the other side of that is that I have to have absolute trust in her decision-making because if I don't and it goes awry, it's not her fault. It's my fault. Right. And so she, we have a very good relationship where when it goes above 
her comfort zone, she's willing to say, Hey, I'm, I'm not comfortable making this decision. What do you want me to do here? Well, I, I, two things. One is that, you know, there's continued training and all, and I can remember the days when, you know, Michelle wasn't comfortable with making a phone call. So I mean, she's, she's come come, you know, incredibly far and she's incredibly competent. So one is more training and two is make, you know, your job now is to make sure that she has enough room below her to delegate that gives her time because once she get to that level and she's such a high level contributor, she is going to do innovation. She's going to come back and say, you know what, here's a package that we should be offering that we're not doing right now. And that light bulb will go off there because in, in her circles, she's more directly involved than you are. Yeah. And she's also, she's that person that um, manages people and processes. So mm-hmm. she hit that director level because of the, the trust, the ability to make decisions. Um, it's, it's interesting too, because the, you know, if we go back to last week's conversation on leadership, one of the things for a long time, I was teaching her about business operations and what we're doing in decision-making all that. For the last couple of years, all I've been really working with her on is delegation mm-hmm. and say, Hey, you gotta, you can't be doing that. You got, that's gotta be trained and given to someone else. What, what's the size of your organization now? How many people? Uh, about 30. Okay. So, I mean, 30 is manageable at, at certain levels. So 30 is not manageable. <laughs> no, it is. I'm, I'm, I'm teasing. I, so I, 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 again, at the corporate level, we're broken down and you get broken off at a hundred people. And basically, um, and this is another Seth Godin, I think, you know, a tribe is a hundred people, you know, beyond that it's confusion. It's not going to happen. So another tribe will break out and they will control. Now they can be re- related and you can have different divisions and you can grow as big as you want. But a hundred people is about all you can get in a communication um, matrix. So, so here, here's something that comes up in the small businesses that we're consulting with, you know, right now, it's like, well, you know, I, we only have 12 people, so we don't have reporting. We just, everybody just works. So what happens is there are natural levels uh, or people involved in the same process. And, you know, I'll stick with sports for a minute because you have 10 coaches, a manager, you know, front desk, you know, you have all these different roles, but, and there's no reporting structure within that, but those 10 coaches all talk Mm -hmm. to each other. But that message never gets to you because there is no structure to get it to you. So you don't know that there's a common problem until so-and-so leaves and you say, why do they leave? Well, they've been frustrated forever about, okay. So, um, so to say we have no structure, I I think is the wrong answer. You need some structure, even if you just call it a communications network, you you need something. Yeah. I mean, communication pipeline, some, some way or, or requirement or system of getting information from A to B. Right. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I, I think more and more. So the, the articles that I'm reading, there's just a, a big article, I think in fortune magazine about matrix network in large corporations, and they're going more and more to this. And so I see it all the time where someone leaves from the middle of a hierarchy and it's really difficult. You got no one ready to move up into that. 
if you bring someone from the outside into that, you have disgruntled people, you could lose someone else because they weren't moved up yet. They weren't ready. So the future of, and, and the next step for everybody in your organization, if not at front of mind, should be somewhere in your, your regular thinking. So you have to have a path and it's why some of the hierarchies work. You know, the review process is what it is, but the talking process, you got to know where people want to go and if you can get them there. Yeah. And I, I think the, uh, there's a story that my dad told me and he was a, a corporate attorney for a long time and he made it up to the highest ranks in corporate America from a general counsel standpoint. And his company, large chemical organization was acquired by uh, a foreign company. And at the time the company was acquired, there was a two page chain of command. So two pages. And so like you knew exactly what escalated what went up and how far it had to go. And it was documented and came right back down. Decisions authorized, made, done. When they got bought by this foreign company, the chain of command went to 48 pages. And he said progress virtually stopped overnight in that company. And he was in, he was an intellectual property attorney. So they were writing the patents and creating the new chemicals and, and really the, the innovation part of the organization. And, uh, you know, the moment you stop progress like that, you have total constipation, constipation of the organizational structure. And then, you know, they ended up having to restructure in bankruptcy court to, to get out of it because of the, the woes of that environment. So again, I think it's just, it's important to know, and to communicate, and this goes back to last week as well with leadership, it's important to communicate that decision-making hierarchy and who, who like, don't let all the questions come to you. Don't, don't answer a question. And I hate to say it this way, but that's below your pay grade, mm-hmm. right? As a leader that needs to be funneled to that decision-maker, empower them so that they, you, they believe that you're behind their decision. That's the biggest thing you can do in decision-making is give the person confidence to make the decision. No, you know, but someone comes to me with a question and I could easily make the decision cause it's my company. Right. But I have a person whose job it is, is to make that decision and do that. I'm absolutely going to forward it to that person say, Hey, listen, I think this is your call. You know, if, if you need help, if you need help with the idea or you want to bounce it off me, I'm all ears, but you know, you need to do this. And I think that confidence piece is a huge part of, uh, organization and leadership. So I think, uh, one of the big steps that I made in management and it was after reading the book, uh, relentless solution focus, Mm, where I stopped. Yeah, it, it's still number one. But um, one of the things I started doing is, you know, even with my direct reports, I'm talking the corporate world. In my other world, I'm not sure if I have any reports. Well, I guess I have the managers. But um, but I started saying, you come to me with any problem you have, as long as you bring the answer with it. Yep. And, you know, it doesn't have to, you know, that's a, the thing I learned most from RSF was the answer doesn't have to be right. But you have to have an answer. You have to make a decision. You know, if if you let it stagnate, if you let it linger, then no one's benefited and you're wasting time. 100%. So, yeah, there's a, you know, I've talked about the employee pyramid before and the kind of five levels of employee. And that most valuable employee is the one that comes to you, says, hey, there was a problem. We fixed it all as well. 
The second tier down from that is, hey, there's a problem. Here's three ideas to fix it. One down from that is, here's the problem. Here's why it happened. Here's a potential solution. And then it's, here's a problem. Here's why it happened. And then the bottom level employees, we have a problem, yeah. right? And so I think in, in, in leadership and org- organizational structure, you're trying to get people to the top of that pyramid where they feel confident they can make the decision. They know the right decision to make. They make it. They tell you it was made and done and problem solved, right? That's, that's whatever you, if you, if you, that's not the goal for you and your company. Um, well, and, and I think the, the worst things that happen, especially in a small business are things that happen without a decision and things that just, you know, all you know, you say, okay, we always did things this way. At the end of the night, we always swept these floors. This is how we do before we close up. And then, you know, one day you only sweep down to this point. And then the next day you don't do it. Then all of a sudden, and you come in one day and said, hey, did anybody sweep last night? And you say, oh, now we haven't done that for years. <laughs> it's it just things yeah. evolve if you're not making decisions. And the way things, decisions aren't made is they're not, you know, no one owns them. You have to have somebody, you know, so accountability, you know, you can Accountab- dig into accountability, accountability. is huge. I think that's an entire other conversation, but uh, you have to be, you have to do things on purpose. I think that's another piece of that, but I think, I think next week, actually, as a matter of fact, accountability is probably a great subject matter to follow through on organization hierarchy, following the conversation yeah. we had last week on leadership. Cause I think they're, they're kind of intertwined. Um, and I, I think the summary that I'll make from my perspective on organization is, um, you can spend an awful lot of time creating an org chart and you can spend a lot of time thinking about uh, how you want the hierarchy to work. Uh, it's easy to put it on paper. It's hard to put it into action. And so some of this stuff you have to uh, test model and how's this communication work? Does Are all of the rank and file in agreement with who's at the top if it's not you? Um, and I think be open to doing it better and doing it differently. Um, just because, and I've been through Steve, I can, I mean, hundreds of iterations of how I was going to organize the company and how I tried to organize it. And then, well, that didn't work so well. Let's go back and do it this way. And, uh, you know, we, we went from case managers where there's one person that's kind of responsible for moving a client from start to finish, integrating the salespeople, integrating the financial professionals, integrating, integrating the service person. So there's one kind of hub it's good, but that puts an awful lot of work on this person and very little work on these other people. And so, you know, you have to think about evening the workload. Um, and I also think that if you're not measuring capability along the way and eyeballing people for advancement, you're missing opportunities to reinvent and improve your hierarchy or your corporate structure or whatever you want to call it. And to go back to a topic that we discussed in a previous podcast, you know, if you're not looking for those opportunities for them to grow, then you're killing your retention. You, cause yeah, 100%. They, the ones that need to grow will grow whether with you or without you. So, you know, that has to be part of it. I, I, I also think, and, and maybe I see it more because in sports organization, you, you bring a group of people together and we have a high level of employees that are coach or teacher, their direct contact with the customer and the activity. Yeah. And, very often I see where they say, well, we don't really have a structure, but anybody knows they can come to me. Um, 
if they know, if they only know that and it's not, you know, written down, then they also know that they don't have to. Yeah, correct. So I, I, I think that, so, I mean, to, to wrap it up from my perspective is in the small business world, you know, whether it's a hierarchy or a matrix or, you know, channel of communication, whatever it is. Cluster diagram, whatever, yeah, whatever it yeah, is. You have to have something. Yep. So, so put it together, put it in writing. And, you know, at some point, you know, we'll, we'll go back to the, to the mapping out of the, the whole business plan that we did 20, yeah. 20 podcasts ago. But I think there's another, another little piece that I'll add is when I bring someone in and I'm trying something new or I'm experimenting, I'm very honest. It's like, Hey, this is your job today. Yeah. Included with doing all of these things, your job is to create your job for tomorrow. Right. So my wife had an interesting perspective. You know, she works in corporate America and every day she goes in and she's got the list of stuff that she's got to do. Her job just regenerates itself and it's there. It's known. Yeah. What she has to do is known. Now she has moved up in the corporation and she's climbing the corporate ladder and all that stuff, but it's still known. Right. And she goes, Dave, every day you've got to go create your job. I said, I absolutely do. Every single day I got to go create my job. And what I've tried to instill in the people around me in that lift while I climb mentality is, Hey, you have this job today. What job do you want tomorrow? Do this job really well. Teach someone else how to do this job. And now I need someone to manage those people. Mm -hmm. Right. So you're creating that hierarchy as you go along. So I think the, the, the lesson in that is don't rush to create some hierarchy. Don't rush, but do have it in mind. And w one of the things I did early was I tried to be very like tactical on that stuff. Small business with three to five people, you can't be everybody. It's a triangle, right? Or it's a, it's a Pentagon. It's not a, it's not a matrix, right? There's nobody in the <laughs> middle except for you. And everybody's kind of, you know, think of it like an atom kind of flying around or a nucleus, you know, and they get all these electrons and protons just, that's how it is. To yeah, start. It's, it's just a matter of time when you're three to five goes five to seven yep. and all of a sudden you're 18 to 25 and number 23 doesn't know who to go to with it. So yep. it, it's got to be on, in, in your mind and you have to be growing towards that, um, you know, just, just to keep your people. And the last thing I'll add is you, you manage people and you say, you know, you don't know what you're going to be doing, but everybody needs to know to move on. You, you lead your way out of there. So we talked about leadership last week. And so, you know, the, the way you get to the next position is you become a leader. So, you know, I, I was leading the sales team at my company long before I ever became sales manager. Yep. And so, I mean, great topic, great, great for small businesses. And those that are doing resets with me right now have heard all this stuff. Yeah. So this is a big deal in a reset. So the reset or second stage that I'm calling it now is those companies that I'm talking to right now that started as the three to five and they woke up one morning and they're 25 yeah, and, and there's nothing in place. So we need a reset. And I think next week's conversation on accountability is great for that reset yeah, as well. Yeah, so yeah. we'll talk about Very accountability good. next week. Wow. Good topic. Yeah. All right, everybody. This has been Paradigm Playbooks podcast. Talk to you next week. Make it a great day. Paradigm Playbook members, your exclusive content, including the related page from the playbook and game plan video for applying this concept to your business, are available now. Check your inbox today.
Visit ParadigmPlaybook.com for past episodes and additional resources for running a successful sports business. See you next week.